All right, well, um, let's go ahead and get started. We got enough people in here to listen. Um, so this is uh, Daniel from um, Flux. So I don't know how familiar our community is with Flux, but they ought to be. Um, Flux is kind of taking, um, in my opinion, just a quick overview from, from me, and then you'll get it from Daniel himself. Um, but taking that idea that, that Strong pitched was, you know, hey, we need networks to be more robust, um, so we need more nodes. And they're kind of taking it the next mile where we're actually doing like decentralized um, web servicing, kind of like what AWS does. Um, but even recently, we've seen AWS censoring, you know, political figures that they don't like or, you know, ideas that they don't like and not hosting their services. And so even ourselves, like with Dominium, we think, well, what if the government didn't like us? You know, we're we're trying to build a, a currency, Dominium, that's backed by property rather than nothing like the U.S. dollars backed by, right? Um, what if they didn't like that and they wanted to shut us down? And so we're actually looking at moving all of our infrastructure over to Flux. Um, but they also have a really interesting take on like node infrastructure and Atlas nodes actually uses Atlas, um, Flux to, to build their like decentralized nodes. And um, some really cool blockchains are being built on Flux as well. And that's their main thing is that decentralization. Um, Dominium finally launched here on Monday. And so we're looking really closely at who's, who's our partnership going to be with our treasury assets. Um, what's going to be working for us here in the future. Um, so that's why this is a really important conversation. And everyone's here. I think you'll learn a little bit about nodes and a little bit about the infrastructure because a lot of people are um, interested in, in nodes and projects, but it ends up being money, right? People just want to make money. Um, but if you're educated, you'll be able to make money. So I think education should come before um, free money because <laughs> if not, it's just coming off of someone else's back. So with that, I'll hand it over to Daniel. Daniel, can you give us a little bit of an overview of what you've done for the project, what Flux is doing? I know they've changed a lot recently and kind of what's going to happen moving forward with Flux. Yeah, I, and I couldn't agree more. I think that uh, you know a lot of people look at the money facet and uh, money is a byproduct or, you know, whatever of of success so if you have a uh, you if you have a mission for a project that that uh you're building on and your focus is concentrating on delivering the best project you can then the byproduct naturally is is money on top of that so that's really good uh so first of all i'd like to thank the community for having me on today really excited we had a ama this morning we had a lot of uh, awesome uh, news that went out uh tell you a little bit about me i'm daniel keller i'm the co-founder and the cso for Flux and Zelcor. Flux is a decentralized computational network, and we are the only decent, truly decentralized computational network in existence. Um, there are others that kind of play on the, we're a decentralized node infrastructure, but they deploy nodes by either, uh, you know, issuing you an NFT and you don't have to take care of the nodes and uh, you burn their asset. I mean, it's essentially Ponzi economics. Flux was built four years ago where we, we didn't just show up on the, on the space yesterday. Uh, we spent the better part of two and a half years through a, for, through a very bearish market, uh, building the technology that would become what we kind of all talk about as Web3 today. So before it was Web3, it was decentralized compute. And that was ultimately why uh, myself and the co-founders came together is we saw a need. And the need was there was too much power let me back up one step. I am, uh, by trade, a, a chief information officer for over 25 years. I spent the majority of my uh, professional career working on centralizing everything, 
So uh, whether you let centralized infrastructure, centralized servers, centralized whatever. And now I've spent the rest of my career decentralizing everything because I realized how bad it really was. So, you know, ultimately Flux was born out of a necessity. We saw, you know, Google continue to keep growing. Um, I don't know if you guys know, but Google's mantra for, for a very long time was don't be evil. And why they coined that phrase is they believed that their competitors and other people in the space were doing evil things. Well, it's kind of funny that they removed that that motto, not only from their website, but basically from their code base as they continued to develop out. So our motto is don't be evil, comma, again, right? And uh, allow, the, uh, allow Web3 and decentralized compute to be for the people, by the people. So how do we do that? So essentially, Flux is the utility-based asset that runs the entire ecosystem. Uh, the ecosystem was created uh, to basically be a portal to Web3 and allow people to stand up decentralized, truly decentralized infrastructure, uh, not hosted by one any one particular person, uh, but by the people that are running the node infrastructure. So we have a proof-of-work side of the house, which is consensus model. It helps us validate transactions, so on and so forth. And then we have our, our layer two, which is our node infrastructure. And we have approximately 6,500 plus deployments, unique deployments today. The current infrastructure can handle about 1.2 million. Uh, we just went through our, 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 uh, our scaling. Um, we just did a, a halvening uh, to increase. We went from about 2,000-ish nodes to over 6,500. Um, and we're not done yet. So we're about two thirds of the way through our happening. We, we anticipate 10,000 10, plus uh, decentralized nodes running all over the world. So what runs on Flux today? Uh, Flux can host websites. It can host decentralized oracles. It can uh, host uh, dApps, uh, game servers, you name it. Uh, if you can Dockerize the application and deploy it to Docker Hub, you can deploy that on Flux, which is, which is pretty damn amazing. So. As uh, when during the introduction, we talked about um, Atlas and some of the things they're doing. Our goal is to work with every single project out there that 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 has has the same ethos as us and and wants to be decentralized. So some of the projects we're working with is um, KDA, Atlas, Haven, uh, Polkadot, Kasama. Um, the list goes on and on. And essentially, what we're doing is provi providing node-based infrastructure to continue to build out their, their use case push for, for, for decentralization. So in a nutshell, Flux is, we're not sexy, we're not cool. We provide the infrastructure to really help these, these projects develop in a decentralized manner. Um, I, think it's, I think it's sexy because I'm a cypherpunk at heart and uh, I love to see things continuing to keep growing like this. Um, so people ask, you know, is it hard to deploy on Flux? Well, we actually had a 14 and a 15-year-old deploy their very first dApp on Flux the other day. Um, our goal is to make it as seamless as humanly possible. Our our infrastructure doesn't reside in two or three co-load locations. You real people that deploy Flux nodes are actually deploying the enterprise-level infrastructure that we run on. So that's kind of a snapshot about what we do. Um, we love we love. Uh, we love working with projects that are like-minded and that's kind of how we ended up gravitating toward this project as well. Yeah. Thanks a lot for the, um, the overview, Daniel. I think that sheds a lot of light on what's going on. Um, a few questions that I want to ask you just to, um, 
deep in my understanding, and I'm sure with my understanding comes a lot of our our viewers here. Um, can you jump in a little bit? We're seeing a lot of Web3, right? You talked about decentralized computing, and now it's Web3. Um, and, and certainly, we want to be decentralized, and Web3 is decentralized, and it's on the blockchain. But fill, fill us in a little bit more on what's changed. You said you've been doing this for, for many years, right? What's changed from, I guess, from Web1 web to Web2 to Web3, and then maybe from decentralized computing to Web3? What are we upgrading to? Why is it important? And um, why are you passionate about it? I'm passionate about it for a lot of different reasons, but let's do this. Let's let's take a step back and we're going to look at it. So, you know, essentially Web 1 was read. Um, you know, these were the early on websites that you could go to. You consumed content, but there wasn't really inter any interaction in that. Web 2 was read-write. And now you've seen the Facebooks of the world, the Twitters of the world, and the engagement to the end users came uh, in Web 2. So essentially deploying platforms, whether it's a blog or whatever, uh, that they could participate in. And Web3 comes along, and that's read, write, and own. So the ultimate goal of Web3, and there's a lot of buzzwords. You got a lot of people that are in Web2 that are using the Web3 moniker as, you know, hey, we're Web3 now. Well, you're not really Web3. If you're not running on a decentralized platform, you're not Web3. So I, I heard a really good comparison to Flux the other day. Uh, I heard somebody say, you know, uh, Airbnb doesn't own any homes. Uh, Uber doesn't own any cars. Um, Flux doesn't own any nodes. We are just the ones that basically uh, act as the liaison between uh, the, the people that deploy infrastructure and the actual developers who want, want to uh, build on the platform, which is kind of interesting. So the way that Web3 is looked at today, um, it's kind of a catch-all for, for damn near everything. You hear it used for you know, the, meta, the metaverse, DeFi. You hear you know, Web2-based projects that are trying to come in. You have VCs, large VCs that are coming into projects saying that they're Web3 when 95% you know, of the asset is held by you know, a JP Morgan or a A16Z, which is Andreessen Horowitz. The, these projects are not, these are Web 2 that are impersonating Web 3. Web 3 needs to be decentralized from the ground up. Jetpack, which is basically a seamless process for deploying. Um, right now, it's, you know, it, it, technology is iterative. And uh, we have lots of people deploying um, things on Flux. But what we wanted to do is we wanted to make it so easy that anyone could do it. And and I, I kid the guys all the time, if I can do it, uh, then pretty much anyone can do it because they don't let me tech much. But um, I can definitely deploy ADAPT. So uh, you create your application. Doesn't matter what language it is in. You can, you can create it whatever programming that you feel is appropriate. Um, and as long as you can push it to a Docker and to, to Docker Hub, deployed immediately on flux so my suggestion is if if you're looking to be truly decentralized start to look at your base level infrastructure uh start to put a plan together on how to iterate toward it um i am not a believer that web 3 conquers the world overnight i think there's a symbiotic relationship between web 2 and web 3 so you could easily start to deploy some of your base level infrastructure test it out play around with it develop on it and then the natural progression will be as soon as you start to see that this this actually works the way that it's intended, it, you will naturally gravitate your your infrastructure to a decentralized model in flux. You can't do that anywhere else. 
So, I mean, if you're going to someone else, you know, and I won't name any projects, but if, if you if you wanted to deploy, you know, your backend infrastructure on those projects, you're de deploying them to basically a couple colo locations and probably riding on the back of AWS to begin with. So, and that that isn't what we want, right? So, I mean, we want we want the push for decentralization. Great. Well, luckily Socrates is in here, so he runs our AWS stuff right now. So hopefully he's listening. We can start working on that on Monday. That's going to be a goal of ours. Um, I think something else that everyone needs to be more educated on is, you know, blockchains. From looking at your website, it looks to me like you guys have your own blockchain. You reward miners and nodes equally. Um, for me, I understand you guys have been around a lot longer, but for me, Strong Block, not this last September, but the previous one, they started this dialogue of hey, you know, nodes are important for blockchains and we should reward nodes. No one's doing that. And so looking at what you said, it looks like you guys are giving half your rewards to miners, half of your rewards to noders. Um, so my question is, is what, what exactly are miners and noders? What, what's the difference there? Why is it important for a blockchain to have nodes? Um, and why is it not as important as Strong makes it to be? I know we've had a conversation before where you say like, yeah, nodes are important, but you don't need 400,000 nodes, right? Everyone can basically run off the same few RPC points. I know I use the same RPC points for, I always use the same one for Ethereum and Polygon. I'm, I'm sure there's hundreds more, but you don't need hundreds of thousands more. So what's this, you know, nodes as a service hype that's going on? Break it down for us. Tell us what a node really is and um, what, a, what a blockchain really needs to be robust. So... Well, I'll, I'll respectfully disagree with one particular point uh, on that because I do believe that that it is important to. Well, I think I not necessarily disagree, but just add a, add a caveat to that. I think the more nodes you have deployed into the ecosystem, and, and they're actually doing proof of use work, which means they're actually doing something, they're real tangible nodes. Um, I think is is better for decentralization overall. Um, so Flux has put its concentration on on taking. We took we took a problem uh, from from the crypto space, and that was if you've been in the space long enough, you remember Masternode projects. They were really honestly just pump and dump scams. The majority of them, uh, they had you know Ponzi economic models behind them. You know, give you some ridiculous rate of return for about a month, and then they rug pulled the shit after that, and it was terrible. But the under the underlying technology. We looked at that and we said, how can we take that underlying technology, those nodes that run, that basically are transactional validators, and how can we deploy that so that people can deploy more than just nodes for transactions? We wanted to have useful work across the board. And that's how Flux was born. So we took a problem in the space, and you'll often find this with the Pro Flux project. We take problems that we find in, in the space and we address them with technology. We don't run around waving a flag or anything like that we 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 do it we build it we prove it and we showcase it once we know and we're comfortable with it so speaking specifically on some of the other projects in the space right now i would say this everyone on this on this call needs to needs to ask one question about any node project and that is let me see your economic model let me see the economics that you've put together is 90% of this project held by a couple individuals or VCs, or did they give 80% to the team? If they did, then that's a problem. How do these nodes reward their, their end users? 98% of flux will go to either miners or node operators. The other 2% is locked in a foundation for ongoing development of the project. 
There was no ICO. There was no IEO. There was no VCs ever, not once. And these are the things you need to look at in those projects. What problem are they solving? Because just the sheer number of nodes, if they're not really truly nodes, isn't really anything. And and I will say, you know, I, I, like I say, I don't like to mention the name of other projects, but I get pretty pissed off when I when I look at, you know, kind of how they take advantage of their end users because, you know, saying buying an NFT and deploying a, a node that they take care of that it's just it's just a disaster waiting to happen. And when you hear projects start to talk about, hey. We know these are, you know, rough economic models. We'll figure it out. That's the first sign that the project is going to have problems. So we spent the better part of almost two years honing our economic models so that we made sure that we incentivized the people participating in the project because ultimately those were our decentralized systems administrators. So whether you're running nodes or whether you're mining or whether you're participating by deploying infrastructure on Flux, there's a reward incentive in in there for each one of them. And we have a revenue generation model. Flux actually pays itself. We have have an ongoing perpetual foundation. Uh, Everything that you do in the Flux ecosystem requires Flux to do it. So if you want to deploy a DAP or a website or whatever, it requires Flux. If you want to deploy a node, it requires Flux. If you want to mine, you're going to be mining Flux. Um, So that's the other question you want to ask is, what is the utility of this project? Flux has been ruled in the United States and in the EU with several legal reviews as a 100% utility-based asset. And I can tell you there is not one project out there today that is, that is deploying these so-called nodes that would not be considered a security under the U.S. law. And that, and that day will come. So just be very careful with that. 100%. I'll, I'll take this opportunity to kind of talk about Dominium and what we're doing differently to address these concerns because this is one of the reasons that I've really wanted to get you on here to talk to the community is because you're kind of the tech look at the nodes and um, how it's not sustainable. But Dominion looked at it and, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to lie. I've, I made a lot of money off of Strong. I bought Strong at, you know, 20 bucks, right? Um, so I liked the idea. I thought it was really cool and I saw lots of people making money. Um, but it became very clear around December that it wasn't sustainable and it wasn't going to be. Um, and so my thought was, well, how much money, you know, Strong has raised like a few million dollars a month for the last two years, right? Just with their node fees, um, not even getting into how much nodes they circulated. And so our goal was, okay, what's, what's, how can you use this model of people wanting to buy something that gives them passive income to actually give them what they want, which is passive income? Because I would argue that most of the people in Strong aren't really there for nodes. They're more, they want passive income, right? And so real estate, business, you know, um, right now we're looking at like franchises, lots of different ways that we can take that money basically kind of as a REIT, right? A real estate investment trust and people buy their NFT. We take that money. We have a team to invest it wisely. um, And then we can pay out passive income that's realistic. We had no team allocation. We had no VC allocation. Um, Our whitelist allocation was 8% above launch price. So our current, if you look at our chart, We've done everything to prevent like these pump and dumps that we see with all these other node projects because the community gets, they're the ones that are taken advantage of. So looking at our chart, we're literally at $5, the same price we launched at. Um, so there was none of that, you know, bots taking advantage or people writing a narrative to take advantage. And now we're working on, okay, we've, we've got money to spend, right? Our, our community is a massive treasury of about $300,000. So where can we deploy it to build 
real utility to build real passive income or revenue. Um, and so Flux is something that we're seriously considering because um, people use these Flux nodes. I mean, AWS is really profitable and your, and your prices are competitive with AWS. And so we could- well, Hold on, I just want, I want to jump in there I just before I forget it. Uh, when you say AWS is expensive and your prices are comp competitive. Uh, AWS is profitable, as in profitable. like they have a good business model. Our, our, our business model is, is if, if you went today to stand up the majority of your infrastructure, you would pay, um, I think we, I, we deployed five servers the other day, uh, basically AWS level, and it cost us 0.9 flux, which is less than, uh, what, what are we at, $1.60, so a little over a dollar. How, so, how does that compare to AWS prices? Well, that same server on AWS would have been about $135 a month. So, we're a small fraction of AWS's cost. Yeah, and and we we've built this project on the Linux distribution model essentially because people say, "Well, how can you deploy infrastructure so cheap?" Well, the folks that provide the infrastructure are being paid for that by by either mining or provi providing node services. So, essentially what they're doing is providing that compute resource for the, and, and incentivizing them and then we're deploying that to grow the community. So, you're basically, de when I say that our node operators are decentralized systems administrators, they're not only making money from the block rewards that they're, that they're uh, um, running the nodes on, you can also run additional projects who deploy and actually put bounties out to make sure that they have a, a particular amount of nodes. So for instance, uh, KDA, uh, we run a massive amount of KDA nodes and they have a node incentivization program. If you run a node and you deploy K KDA's chain web data and their full node, you then automatically start to earn KDA as well. And you're going to see this from multiple projects as they start to come into the space. So these nodes become revenue generation centers. People that stand up these nodes, they are business owners. They're, they're savvy. They understand their costs. They, they do everything from, you know, putting, you know, do I launch this on VPS or do I you know, run a Jetson or a Raspberry Pi or a server at my own home. Um, there, there's a lot more detail to that. So we can provide dirt cheap deployments because we have the people behind it supporting that already, and they're already being paid for it. So we just took AWS out of the equation. We're just bypassing it, going straight to the people. You might be on mute. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Um, I'm trying to open up our AMA text channel for these people. Like, I don't know, I, under community in AMA text, our listeners, you can add questions in there. I'm just making sure it's available to everyone. I'm only seeing like a certain rank in there. Um, yeah, and I want to share too that I, just to your point, um, you know, the reason why I was so interested in speaking with you and your and your community is. You are doing something unique in the fact that you you understand that there has to be a value add. So your your proof of concept that you've developed specifically around you know investing in other projects, I like that. I like that, and I and I, I do believe that there is an invest. All of us are invested in some way, shape, or form, right? So we want to make sure that we invest in projects that make sense, and you know, in your case, diversifying your portfolio and the things that you're doing. It's it's unique. I haven't seen anybody else. Uh, talk about it quite like that um so you know props to, to you and your community for that as well 
Well, thanks. You know, and, and we're, we're realistic too. You know, we don't think we're going to have a lot of people like Etherstones launched and on their Twitter it says 8,000% APR lifetime. And I'm just like, how? Like, do people, <laughs> like, did Ring not teach us a lesson? Um, but 100% is like, we, we understand that you can't, like, you can have growth at the beginning for, you know, inception of a project. We were just talking to, well, Socrates was talking to a venture capitalist in New York and, yeah, like people that are doing like incubation venture capitalist things, you can expect 300% like out the gate, but ongoing or lifetime. Um, and, and that's even there's there's some risk, high risk associated with that, right? So our APR is about 300%. We don't broadcast that right now. And we say we're going to reduce it to 30% over the next 24 months. So we're kind of in this run up. Um, I would I would call it like a marketing, you know, fundraising phase where we're trying to build our treasury and get invested and start some really cool actual cash filling projects um you know like these franchises we're looking at we're really excited about because there's some franchises that really do have a high apr much higher than you know like nodes a lot of them don't actually cash flow anything um but let's let's hop into that let's dig a little bit more into um if dominium wanted to run some flux nodes um kind of as a business plan for passive income or if any of these community members wanted to start their own little node business. Cause I think a lot of us are here cause we thought that sounded cool, right? Mining sounded cool, but we don't have the electricity or we can't get it cheap enough. Um, nodes, is there a way to be profitable or run a little business with nodes with the Raspberry Pi, you know? So what's the process there for us to deploy some capital or for community members to get started with Flux and start earning passive income through our, um, our hosting service? Well, Flux is a great place to look at that because everything we focus on is accessibility to the users. So we talked about our three enterprise-based servers, but what we didn't talk about is uh, one of the projects we're getting ready to launch is Project Titan, which is essentially shared masternodes on the blockchain. So if you've been, if you've been around for a while, you know the old ma uh, shared node structure where you would send your, your asset to somebody and they would be the the curator almost like a third party and they would deploy nodes and then they'd give rewards out every month or every six months or whatever it was well we like the idea of allowing people who only have a few flux 100 flux 200 flux to be able to participate in running a node um and and gain a passive income model um and so what we deployed was project titan so essentially what we'll do is if if you have 200 flux or or whatever, you can then submit it to a shared node that's on chain. You hold custody of your asset at all times. So there's no third party. You use Zellcore, which is the multi, our multi-asset platform. And you basically provide a, a shared public key uh, to whoever the node, particular node person is deploying the node. Uh, we have several services that are gonna be doing that. I think we're up to seven now or so. Um, and you basically are locked into a node. So there's three different periods. You got three months, six months, and one year. Uh, the reason regular flux nodes have no lockup. So you can set a node up and then 15 minutes later, change your mind and take it down. Titan is a little bit different because we want to make sure that these nodes stay online for a longer period of time um, and not all come offline at the same time. So we had to have some level of lockup for those particular nodes. So that's another way uh, passive income comes into play. You can, you know, if you guys end up, uh, you know, raising enough to deploy half of a of a Stratus node, you can do that. Uh, you can do that through Project Titan. The other thing is, and what we didn't mention is, we have an entirely another node set which is called our Cirrus nodes, and these are all off-chain nodes. 
So there's no block reward for them. There's no, uh, there's no, um, you know, additional platforms like, you know, what we're doing with our um, enterprise-based solution. The Cirrus nodes run on either a, a Jetson, a Raspberry Pi, or you can also have FPGAs. And what you do is you are basically running an off-chain off node set, and you're being incentivized and rewarded by people that are using the com computational resources. So if somebody wants to use your Jetsons for edge compute and or AI, they can do it and deploy on it. And if they're using your uh, infrastructure, you're being rewarded by them paying for the compute resources. That all comes back to our marketplace, where individuals can go in and they can on-demand deploy uh, large-scale amount of compute resources for whatever it is. So, you know, Dan's going to a graphics, uh, or, or is doing a graphics class, and he needs to render something. And he he has, uh, you know, you know, normally rendering can take days. I mean, it's ridiculous if you only have one or two GPUs. Um, well, now you can go to Flux and you can deploy 30 GPUs or, you know, 10 FPGAs that are going to run in the background and basically render in, you know, a fraction of the time and you don't have to actually buy the infrastructure. So there's a lot of different ways you can participate in the ecosystem uh, passively. And I think that's why it's kind of uh, forward thinking by your team to look at that, because I think there are different angles that you guys can approach to, to, to participate in this ecosystem. Right, right. And it's going to take a little bit of research and um, look into that, see what's going to be most profitable, because it's not just Flux that we can be profitable with, but we can, you know, launch other apps and there's other rewards we can get. Like yeah, bingo. Yep. Okay. Yeah, if you, want to, if you want to build your treasury, that's the way you do it is, you know, you, know, you, you, you find a project that re rewards you not only in their asset, but also bring, gives you the ability to be rewarded in other assets. And this kind of um, becomes what a lot of these nodes as a service advocate to being, right? Is they, um, they say, hey, we want to strengthen our, our blockchains or we're doing some sort of community service that's good for our community. It's good for our network. It's good for Avalanche. It's good for Phantom. It's good for Polygon. Um, but, but through Flux, it's an actual way not just to get those RPC endpoints, um, but I, I think, I mean, I've only looked at it briefly, but this proof of useful work. Can you can you break that down? And what's the difference between deploying a node that's useless and deploying something that's that's useful on an on a network? Well, let's go all the way back in the way back time machine to, to Satoshi Nakamoto. And one of the one of the problems he he acknowledged as he was you know building Bitcoin was the fact that there was going to be a large amount of compute resource that was just going to be transactionally validating. So. You know, that's one of the biggest knocks on proof of work right now is the fact that, you know, you hear these people talking about energy usage and, you know, it's, you know, it's terrible. Look, I'm a miner at heart. I had one of the largest mining facilities on uh, the East Coast at one particular point in time. Um, I believe in proof of work inside and out. I believe it's the only, only, and no offense to anybody that loves proof of stake, but if you really want true decentralization, proof of work is the way to do it. So what we did as a team is we sat down and we figured out, first of all, how to make the nodes become proof of use of work by running applications and everything else that runs on Flux. But there's a bigger piece, and that is, how do we take our proof of work side of the house, our miners, and how do we allow those graphics cards to produ produce things other than transactional validation? Because right now, that's what they're doing. Right now, we have 
hundreds of thousands of cards running on Flux, and they're validating transactions. Proof of use will work, and we're slated for quarter four into quarter one of next year to deploy proof of use work on the, on that side of the house. Will allow you to basically use fifty percent of your GPU that can be re- that at because you really your GPU think of it as this way it's 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 a it's a if it's a hundred percent right now a hundred percent of it's using for transactional validation. Well, let's say if you only need forty percent for transactional validation and to secure the network. And then the other 60% of your graphics card can then be deployed to a marketplace where people can go and actually rent that compute resources. Well, if you do that on one project, that's big, right? So if we could get every GPU mining flux on a new algorithm that allows 60% of their compute to be rent to be to used for you know mapping proteins or folding, uh, you know rendering, uh, you know deep fake detection, all that kind of stuff. Um, that is really proof of use of work. So you're continuing to secure your chain and your consensus mechanism, but you're also allowing uh, the, the the compute resources to actually be used for something good. Whether, you know, you could see it deployed occasional in hospitals, you can see it, to, I mean, it, it's boundless where it could, could be used. So that's the next phase of our plan is now that we've already kind of conquered the world with the proof of use of work on the node side, now we're going to uh, turn our attention to the miners. This also dispels all of the criticism of these particular, you know, the proof of work model goes away because now we're using that compute resources, those natural, that natural resources that we put into it for the, for the greater good. So I believe and I'm not just saying this because of my project. We we are we are solving a major issue that Satoshi looked at when he was building out the Bitcoin Bitcoin white paper and developing that out. But one thing I want to mention before we move on to the next thing is we're not Flux isn't building this for Flux. We're building this for the blockchain space. Our anticipation is that other projects who want to err toward a decentralized model will launch proof of work on their platform and be able to participate in the fl- with the Flux network for shared compute resources. What's that look like? So if I have Flux and I have 50, you know, 60% of my compute, my GPU compute resources going toward a marketplace, let's say another project deploys proof of use to work as well, and that goes to the marketplace. So now not only do they continue to be able to validate their chain and remain decentralized, they can also provide useful computational resources in a pooled manner. So this is the holy grail of blockchain, interchain operability. So you know, that that's kind of what we're looking at with proof of use work. And it, it and it's a big task, but we have never met a task that we couldn't conquer. So this is, you know. I, I feel very confident that this this will be a game changer for, for really proof of work overall. So just to make sure I understand you right, because this is a really popular discussion. You see a lot of people complaining about Bitcoin right now because it, it uses energy and you see a lot of people making jokes about it, you know, <laughs> on how like, oh, if, if I stop sending that transaction on Bitcoin, then I could just use it to charge my computer because there's just all this like lack of understanding about electricity and how bitcoin uses energy and why um but if i'm hearing you right proof of useful work is a solution to that problem where you're able to use all of that energy all that electricity and all of that work um for useful purposes and if that's the case you know how like why doesn't everyone know about this and how are you what's your plan to get 
proof of useful work out to the whole um, blockchain community? Well, the first phase of proof of useful work was already deployed. And the reason why people don't know about it is because we, we're, we're the type of people that build the technology and then we move forward with deployment. There's a reason why we do that is we under promise and over deliver. Uh, we, we like to, we like to make sure that the products we're developing and the individuals we're d- developing them with understand that it's beneficial and that it's not a minimal viable project. It's a fully developed project. And yes, I do believe that this answers, uh, uh, you know, there's a lot of folks out there that complain about big, you know, uh, Elizabeth Warren in the States, she complained and said, you know, about the, the, the power footprint. What they don't tell you is that dryers in your home is about five times greater than the Bitcoin. So what are they going to do? Are they going to go after everybody's clothes, clothes dryers now? Um, you know, the, imagine the f- carbon footprint of the financial institutions today. All the banks that are all over the place. The town I live in, there's 30 banks, at least. It's insane. Um, so imagine that carbon footprint and start to build that out. Now, if you fix this issue by allowing uh, proof of useful work, not only does it fix the energy that, that they're complaining about and the carbon footprint, it, it, it actually puts us into a carbon neutral footprint, but it takes us a step further than that because computer hardware will be forever green until it's done. We, you will be able to run you know, an old graphics card or you'll be able to run you know, uh, an older computer. You'll be able to run you know, a lot of different things on, on the proof of use, useful work side. So we look at it as not only dispelling the myth that they have propagated around proof of work, but we also make it so that they can't argue the value. They can't argue the value of the infrastructure. And we're going straight to the biggest players in the space. We're pitching this and we're going to make sure that these folks are involved as well. Because I think this is this is where we're headed. Wow. Yeah, I, I, that's that's really, really fascinating. And um, I think that that's pretty slept on. That proof of useful work is an incredible idea. Someone's asking in the community is, how, how will Flux Rewards work with proof of useful work? Same way. It, so, it'll, yeah, it'll, it'll work the exact same way. It'll reward the miners and the node operators. So we're not going to we're not going to mess, mess with the economic model. We're actually messing with the consensus model so that that way, you know, you know, we don't, it doesn't punish our, our, our node ops or miners in any way, shape or form. OK, um, and then we've got people asking, um, is it, is it going to be launched in quarter one? It sounds like you're, you're working on perfecting it because that's what you do first is technology first and kind of broadcast second. So um, can we expect that quarter one of 2023 or when is proof of useful work going to be actionable for, for us if we want to run a flux node with it? Uh, you can run a flux node today. And if you're running a flux node, you're participating in proof of useful work. If you're a miner, then that that's where the next step comes into play. So uh, our goal is to have an active test net by the end of this year. Uh, I can tell you right now, and I'll just share it with you guys, that there is a test net being built kind of behind the scenes. Um, this will be the largest test net ever in the history of blockchain. We will need miners. We will need node operators. We will need community members to test this inside and out before we deploy. And once we deploy, it, 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 it's going gonna, it, gonna to change the game. So, you know, uh, I would say I'm not going to sit here and promise any 
deliverable date because I'm the kind of guy that likes to tell you it's going to be in quarter one or quarter two of next year. And then all of a sudden we have an active test net at the end of this year. And, you know, we're talking about deployment next year. That's the kind of things that we do. So, you know, we have probably the best team I've ever seen assembled working on this, the greatest minds, and not only from Flux, but really around the blockchain and technology space. Um, Flux was recently accepted to the NVIDIA Inception program. Um, 7,000 projects in the NVIDIA Inception program. We are only the only blockchain-based project. And the reason why that's important is it gives us the opportunity to have direct communication with, you know, the large, large providers, whether it's NVIDIA or AMD, we're going to be working with those guys to figure out how to make this work as well, because this essentially helps their business model in, in the end. Right. So um, another thing I want to ask about, um, we're planning on this for an hour. We've been on for 43 minutes. It's going fast. I love learning. Um, is you know we're looking at lots of different projects. People are looking at Strong. People are looking at Pocket. Um, Infura, you know, is, is I see that you guys re released that article about Infura's competition. So um, could you just take some time and talk about, um, I know decentralization is one with Infura, but what separates you from Infura? What separates you from... The reason I want to retouch on Strong is a lot of our community here knows them. It's a good frame of reference. How are your nodes different from Strong nodes? And how is your application different from Pocket? Uh, well, I would say this. Um, you, you really have to do your research on, on these different projects. So we're talking about a couple different things. So Strong, Pocket, um, uh, Acash, um, you know, any of these other platforms. Uh, sit down and study their economic model and, and, and educate yourself on exactly what 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 is going to the community versus what is going to either VCs and or uh, the, the team themselves. Look, I am the co-founder of this project and I got my flux the exact same way that every single community member in here did. I worked my ass off for it. I mined. I had a large mining facility. I ran nodes. I sold Whatever I had extra, I had a camera sitting here that I'd never used in forever. And I was like, I'm going to sell that and buy Flux. That's the commitment you should have from the people behind your project. Because if they believe in the project themselves, and they're the ones that are out there aggressively side by side working with you to develop the project, that's the one you're going to want to invest in. Now, you mentioned, so I would say in response to the other projects, uh, Pocket Note is doing something different. They're They're more... They're more um, uh, API-based um, and, and providing a different level of service. I really don't know what the hell Strong and, and, and Acash and some of these other projects are doing. I really don't. And if, if you think you know what they're doing, I think you need to go dig a little deeper because I spent a lot of time looking at these projects. And at the end of it, I just shook my head and had to walk away. So be careful because... I will go head to head with any project out there and talk economic models and sustainability and growth models and organic growth models. And, you know, I, I would talk to any single one of those projects. Now, as far as the Infura side of the world goes, Infura, and not many people know this, um, I'm just going to be honest. Ethereum is a centralized asset. And if it, it, yeah, that's the way you have to look at it. JP Morgan uh, purchased Consensus, which also purchased uh, Infura and also MetaMask. So the other day, I'm going to say about a week ago, all of a sudden you started seeing posts about different areas 
they and Furo was basically blocking them from using their infrastructure. Well, that's the whole damn reason why blockchain was born, was to be able to make sure that you're not censorable. And when you have JP Morgan owning a, a platform that basically claims it's decentralized, but every as every every facet of the project is centralized. Flux decided as a team that we were going to come up with a, a competitor to Infura and we released that today. So, you know, our goal is to allow every single developer out there to, to participate. And I don't, you know, I don't care if you're developing on another platform or not. You can still use Flux as your as your back end, much like people use, you know, in Infura. So if you're developing on the Polkadot ecosystem or the Ethereum ecosystem and you need something on that's going to be a decentralized backend, that's where Flux comes into play. So, you know, we're going straight to the big players in the space and we're calling them out because ultimately folks that are saying they're decentralized or they're, or, or they're, they're coming off as it's a decentralized project and they're not, more than likely you're going to, you're going to see Flux uh, uh, take a, take a shot at them because, you know, that we, we need, this needs to be open for all, for the people, by the people. Absolutely. I've, um, there's, you know, there's been a few like so Twitter alternatives. I, I, Twitter, I use it every day, but I don't like their censorship. I don't think it's fair. I think they, you know, promote what they want and have their own dialogue. Um, so there's, you know, there's, there's competitors to Twitter that can't get their servers hosted on AWS. Have you thought about, um, going to those sorts of people and saying, Hey, there's other ways to host your services in a, in a very scalable way. Cause from what you said, you guys have way more computing power available than you're using. Like you've got tons of room to grow. So have you thought about going to those, you know, large communities that want to move away from AWS but don't know where to go? Do they know about you? I'll put it to you this way. I'd love, I'd love to tell you the folks that we have been chatting with because it would probably blow your mind. NDAs are a crazy thing because uh, you can't really let things slip. But I will say this. There's a there's kind of a, a misnomer that goes around about Web three, and that is that you know anything that was popular in Web two would automatically be popular in Web three, and that's just that's just false. Everything has to be either ported and or in a kind of hybrid symbiotic way, working between Web two and Web three. So if you were an industry leader in Web two, and this is the reason why the Netscape navigators, the AOLs, didn't didn't make the transition from Web one to Web two, and the folks that are in Web two now and can't accept the fact that Web three is going to be a decentralized model, and they're not looking to develop on it, or they're it's a it's a competitor to them, or that's how they view it, they will be bypassed because there will be somebody out there that builds the next iteration of Twitter. It's going to be decentralized. It's going to be running on flux and it's going to be amazing. So there isn't just, it, it, there isn't just the ability to, um, you know, assume as a web two based project that you're going to continue leading the ecosystems. You're not, you have to start now. You have to plan now. And I can tell you this right now, there are, many large businesses that are looking at how they can deploy an almost hybrid world uh, as they start to iterate from web two to web three. So, so here's, here's a quick question for you. Um, and, and I've, I've heard this talked about before when it comes to decentralizing some of these services like Twitter or even AWS, you know, one of the big, you know, factors that fights against it is, you know, bad actors in the space, 
and, you know, giving services to people who, you know, are, are going to use use it for, for, for malpurposes and malintent. And then, you know, people like, you know, the U.S. government would want to sanction that. You know, how do you guys protect against that? And then, you know, sanctions from, you know, a, company, a country like the U.S., right? How would you guys fight that type of thing? So the legal process right now is, is you know, if, if you were hosting something that, you know, the U.S. government wanted to take down, they would go through the subpoena process. They would basically su- subpoena the business uh, and the business model would have to, you know, basically take it down or provide information. My question to you is this. Who do you send that subpoena to in flux? Who, who, if you wanted to stop something on Bitcoin, where would you send that subpoena? So in, essentially, there's a, a DAO that governs the flux model, the flux backend. The community are the ones that make the decision of what the terms of service are. So essentially, there is no way to essentially block things. Now, I will say this. There is particular content that is it, it, that would it just isn't appropriate for any uh, platform. I would say there'd probably be one or two things that I would I would say that you, you know you you wouldn't see um, uh, promoted. But here's the other thing too. Um, most of the folks that are deploying this, this is a business model to them. So the odds of that they're going to go in there and deploy something nefarious on, on the network, um, it, it's very minuscule. In the States, we look at a law that specifically looks at ISPs, internet service providers, and whether they can be held legally accountable for the uh, information that passes across their network. And what it comes down to is, and the way that the the way that it was ruled is ISPs can't be held responsible. It has to be the end users who are who are deploying that that uh, content on the internet. So I say this: if the U.S. government wants to 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 get involved and figure it out, they better start building a platform that they can figure it out themselves because we can't figure it out. We don't know where it's at. We don't know where it's running. And it, anyone's open to develop on, on the platform. So, you know, like I said, when you deploy, there'll be a terms of service, things that the community has agreed to that they won't allow to run on the network. I would say child pornography is probably the only one that I can think of that, you know, they're not, that they're, they're going to definitely bulk about. Um, yeah, but you gotta. It's gonna change the way that the police, that police and you know other people look at this content and how they track it down because it it does change. I mean, you know, there was a lot of talk. I know there's probably a lot, a lot of people in here that remember this, but I do. As the internet started to f- flourish, you know, uh, one of the things that came out was these instant messenger clients that you could actually call people on. So uh, ICQ was one of the platforms that was launched initially. And uh, you could make phone calls. Well, the, the uh, AT&Ts and Ma Bells of the world just lost their ever-loving mind and sued the shit out of everybody that they could find. And in the end, none of it mattered anyway. So, you know, it's going to mean that this, this disruptive technology is going to task every single person every single entity out there to adopt the way they do business so they need to look more at because we u- utilize docker hub as the deployment location yeah maybe that could be a that could be a way that they could find out who is deploying things that you know aren't supposed to be there we'll eventually build our own docker hub and and you know i don't think it matters so i would say the answer to that question is where do you send that subpoena and how do you make it stop 
Yeah, no, yeah, it's, it's, it's a great question. Um, and it's pretty hard to solve. Um, but, you know, we have to, have to start somewhere, right? So. Yeah, I mean, if they if they wanted to if, if they wanted to take, a, um, let's say, Rumble or uh, uh, what was the other one that they deplatformed? Uh, Patreon or no, can't think of it. Uh, the one that Twitter took down. For love of God, I can't remember it. But anyway, if that was running on Flux and they wanted to take it down, where would where would you send that information to to make it come down? We we don't control that. You know, if you send it to Dan, Dan's going to be like, I have no access to any of this. I don't have any idea how to take down any of this. So, you know, by this is decentralized. This is the uncomfortable conversation that needs to be had around decentralization, because sooner or later, it leaves the hands of the controlling entity. Who are the ones that sit there and say what can and can't be ran on the network? It needs to be the people again. So these are uncomfortable questions that need to be answered. And, you know, I'm. I'm excited to see this conversation actually start to strike up and people start to actually get to the point where we're so decentralized enough where the, where it really becomes, you know, a, a bullet point. We've got to move that direction because, um, we're just seeing too much censorship today. Um, whether it's political or ethos or, um, science or whatever you want to call it, there's just this huge climate right now of um, scientific cultism, you know, where people think if your ideas are different than mine and different than my appeal to authority, then there's no conversation to be had. You know, certain ideas are deemed as dangerous or whatever you want to say. Um, we can certainly come together on things like child pornography. Um, but at, at a certain point, there's something to be said about a uh, free market, you know, um, you know, about, you know, people are going to say, oh, what about drug marketing? What about, you know, dangerous ideas? And it's like, well, true ideas should prevail regardless, right? And if you have to stymie or censor your user base, it's probably because you're the one that's pushing propaganda, you know, looking at China, looking at Russia, looking at um, lots of countries that throughout history, you know, they, they, and I think the U.S. is doing it now as well, but you you have your dialogue for the propaganda you want your people to believe and then you censor everything else and so that's why i i'm probably most passionate about what flux is doing and really excited for you guys in the future because i see it as a, a legitimate tool um to bring power back to the people because that's what it's all about and that's what bitcoin is you know i don't know why you know we gave our, our the power to print money was given to a central bank that's for profit right and the u.s government and other governments have to go and beg a private institution for money um and then it's become the same thing with social media and now just media in general and putting anything out and so bitcoin solves that right because it's 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 a decentralized network it's not a, a government entity it's it's not um, a private entity that's trying to profit off of everything. It's a global community in a robust, robust system. And even Bitcoin and, and the Web3, you know, DeFi, everything that's being built on top of blockchain, it has to follow that ethos of, of decentralization. Um, so we're, we're definitely here to support you. Um, Dominium's goal is at, at the end, our, our big central why is to build a currency that whoever wins this currency war, right? Someone, someone thinks it's Bitcoin. Some thinks it's going to be some, you know, global, you know, um, blockchain token or whatever they've been calling that, right? Or um, maybe it's going to be XRP, whatever you want to say. But at the end of the day, that currency is going to be used 
to purchase property. And so Dominion's leveraging everything we can to acquire that property so that we have leverage in this new world or in any world that comes to be. And I think that Flux is kind of like that decentralized property. Right? Whoever wins the battle of where the media is going and where censorship is going, at the end of the day, it's going to be he who holds the infrastructure there, who's hosting those services, who's you know navigating those um, all those user bases. Right now, because everyone's on TikTok, everyone's on Facebook, everyone's on Instagram, and you just control the media there. But who's owning those servers? It's kind of the next step um, to making sure that we can continue to have a voice regardless of, of what happens in the future with the Internet. Yeah, and I think that it, that's a very astute observation. And I think that, you know, problems never become problems till they are problems. And I think that that's what we're seeing now. I think especially with COVID and some of the things, I mean, uh, I want to say 70% of all U.S. dollars have been pr printed in the past two years, and it's basically debasing and devaluing the, the U.S. asset. Why is that a bigger problem for the world rather than just the U.S.? Well, we know that the dollar is kind of the global currency that's been used for many years. So the very first time in human history, in human history, there is another way beyond fiat currency. And what you're starting to see is people start finally starting to wake up because my son walked in, I want to say it was like two years ago or three years ago, and he was making $8 an hour. He was working up at McDonald's, right? So it's, you know, normal uh, teenager job. And he says, you know, I really want to make money because I see a lot of this, this, you know, these advertisements about, you know, a $15 minimum wage. You know, we should have that. So I had to sit him down and have a very frank talk with him about what the impact of a $15 minimum wage would look like. Well, needless to say, all these years later, they are now several years later after this whole COVID epidemic and everything like that pandemic. He now makes $15 an hour. The problem is everything else costs 40 times greater than what it did. His raise, his money that he got has been so diluted that it, that he comes back to me says, well, this was a horrible idea. <laughs> and I mean, in reality, that's what it is. But fiat currencies were always destined to fail. There's never been another way for in humankind for people to have another process. Cryptocurrency blockchain technology is the very first time that it's ever been another alternative. And that's why you're seeing it start to really make the world stage. Look what's happening in the Ukraine. You look, you know, Russia just came out the other day and said they would take Bitcoin from friendly country, countries to settle, you know, whatever it is. I think, I think you're going to see these, these, uh, do I, do I believe fiat currency goes away completely? No, I don't. But I think, I think crypto and I think blockchain technologies will be, you know, right there hand in hand with fiat to keep them honest, because that's essentially what we have. I mean, we've, We've placed our, our fate in the hands of people who determine whether or not they're going to print a shit ton of money. Businesses are meant to fail. We shouldn't be bailing people out. And in and, and this, and this economy, and this, and this, in the world that we're creating today, that isn't an option. So that's one thing we have to look at. I love it. I love the ethos. I love these discussions and what's going on. And I think it's so important that we are able to come on and bring our community members and have this conversation. Something that's really stunned me as we've launched, because we, you know, we're leveraging nodes um, mostly for marketing, right? We see a niche, we see, you know, crypto is a very trending space. And you probably saw that in the two years of a bear market. It hurts, but you kept building and awesome, right? Um, but because of these, because of we were, 
we have a marketing niche, we've seen a lot of grifters come into our community that only wanted whitelist. They only wanted to dump on our community. Um, as soon as whitelist opens, they get out of the discord. They don't care. And they're all just here to just like this get rich quick scheme. And I love that you guys are building. You recognize that building comes first, right? Technology comes first. Solutions come first. Um, and then you can expect profit. Then you can expect returns. And so I really appreciate all of our communities that came out here today, community members that are here today and taking their time to get educated and actually figure out what nodes are and um, what's been going on in the space there. So we invite you guys to go over to Flux, um, hop in their Discord, hop on Twitter. Their Twitter's run on Flux. Um, we shared it on Twitter as well. Um, look at their project. And um, a good question that we had, Dan, is um, where where can like if a community member here wants wow i want to go run a flux node today is there like some sort of guide or where's their their best resource to kind of figure out how to do that yeah we have uh we have video guides you can go to our youtube it's flux labs on youtube's on youtube you can you can head over to our discord and you can ask questions there there's there's a written guide in our medium so if you go to run on flux.io uh, you can really find everything you need right there I would say start off with our mediums. Look at our uh, look at our YouTube because uh, Goose, one of our, guy, our our guys over there, he does excellent video tutorials on how to deploy infrastructure. If you want to hear the rantings of a madman, follow me on Twitter at dak underscore flux, um, and you can also participate in our Telegram group as well. All those things can be found on runonflux.io, which, by the way, runs on Flux. So there's that. <laughs> Love it. Well, thanks for hopping on. Um, sorry, BGOG and, and Pythagoras didn't hear. <laughs> we were too in, in the conversation, but if anyone else has something else to say, now is the time. If not, um, Dan, thanks for hopping on, and we'll hope to see more of us in your community and, and vice versa. And we'll, we're still working on what we want to do and how we want to partner with you guys, but um, we'll definitely be bringing something to the floor to you, uh, hopefully this month or the next. I appreciate it, and I thank you guys, and for all the all the folks that attended this, it was a really nice turnout. And uh, you know, um, I, 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 good luck to you and your project. And anything we can do to help, please let me know. Thank you so much, and thanks for being here. We'll catch you all later. Yep, thank you. Hey, thanks, guys. I just wanted to say for everyone that joined, I've taken a handful of snapshots. Again, sorry, I haven't been able to chat much. Got loud kids, but. A handful of snapshots. I'm gonna compile all of those names together. So if you've been here the entire time, you'll have you'll have four entries for that for that giveaway. So uh, we'll get those uh, results re uh, released soon. Appreciate it. Thank you. See you guys. Take care, guys.